Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of Surviving the Modern World. I'm your host, Jason Wood, and uh, I'm actually getting pretty excited. I've got quite a few downloads, uh, a lot more than I thought I might get. So thanks a lot for your support and uh, really appreciate it. Also got some feedback from a listener. Um, if any of you guys have any feedback, like I said, uh, I will answer you and I will take it into consideration. So, and if there's anything in the show that you don't like, uh, we can change that, you know? Um, so, uh, anyway, it was, uh, an email came in from the Gurkha surgeon. Sounds pretty scary. Uh, and he said that we ought to, uh, put on here a reading list. And, uh, he recommended some really good reads. I've actually read almost all of these. The only one I haven't read is the medical guide, but the reading list that he, that he put on is, uh, mostly James Wesley Rawls. Um, and I'm actually really not sure who wrote the Boston's Gun Bible, but could have been him. But anyway, uh, really good reads. Uh, the, the reading list that he suggested was uh, Boston Gun Bible, uh, How to Survive the End of the World as We Know It, and that's a James Wesley Rawls. Very good book. Um, Patriot Series, also James Wesley Rawls. Uh, there's about seven books, I believe. Um, all really, really good books. They give you like... A really good perspective on um, an economic collapse and I mean very very happy you know feasible it could really happen and then the doom and bloom medical guide and I've actually heard quite a bit about that and there's a newer version out and um, I can't remember the name of it but I just remember seeing that on one of the notes that I was reading but um, I'll find that out later and we'll we'll go over that whenever we we'll might just do a, a whole show about good reads, books that I recommend, um, that the Gurkha Surgeon also recommends. Um, oh yeah, and I was also informed that uh, I mentioned um, Big Macs in the last one, people being big fat asses, I guess. Anyway, the guy who uh, invented the Big Mac died today at the age of 98, so, all right. That'll teach him for making Big, Na big Macs live to be 98 years old. Um, so anyway, on this show, I decided that we should do a little bit about weapons. I'm just kind of going along the lines of um, importance and the order that I kind of, you know, see things going in. Um, so this might be a two-part show, and if it is, then I guess you'll see episode four will be uh, Weapons 101 Part 2. <laughs> so let's just get a few things out of the way right here. Um, Weapons, they're made for one reason and one reason only. I mean, there's some people that say, oh, I just use this gun to go shoot targets. Um, I just use it for practice, for recreation. That's great. You know, the, the use isn't the, the issue. But the, the thing is, is that a weapon was designed for one reason, one purpose, and that is to kill or destroy something. Um, so, you know, I mean, I know that everybody's always trying to take them away and, and all this, but... Just because it's made to destroy doesn't mean that that's all it's going to do. Um, I'm a huge gun fan. I love guns. I own several of them, and I will continue to buy them until I'm dead. Um, you have a defensive and an offensive. And whenever you have a, a weapon on you, most of us, I'd have to say at least in the high 90%, are on the defense. I mean, whenever I, I have a concealed weapons permit and whenever I have my weapon on me and I'm at the store, I'm not on the offense. I'm not walking around trying to pick fights. Um, I know that a lot of these people that are very anti-gun, that's how they see it. 
Um, you know, they see the, the movies, the TV shows with the gang members and, and all these guys walking around with their gun, always pulling it out, putting it in faces and stuff. But, you know, hey, that is, that's, that's the offensive type of person. And usually those people are uneducated, ignorant pieces of crap who that's all they're going to do is, you know, strike terror and try and rob you and do whatever, all kinds of bad crap. So that's why the other 90 high 90%, I believe, would be on the defensive. And that's exactly why a concealed weapons permit was invented. Um, and some states don't have one. So if your state doesn't have one, pack your crap and move, man, because you're in a crap state. So um, weapons don't just include guns. That's not it. I mean, there's tons and tons of weapons. You've got weapons that'll cut, smash, shoot, stab, you know, I mean, just about anything could become a weapon of opportunity. Um, you know, so if you're you're standing in a parking lot and somebody tries to mug you or whatever, I mean, you can, you know, grab a car antenna, start whipping them, uh, take your belt off. Anything can become a weapon. But the weapons that I really want to talk about today are mostly guns. Um, now, I know that there's a lot of people out there, too, that also go, well, I don't want guns in my house because I have kids or... You know, I, I just don't feel comfortable with a gun. And, you know, and that's fine. If you don't feel comfortable around a gun or handling a gun, then a good move first off because, you know, an accident could very likely happen if you're not ready to own or handle a gun. But at the same time, get some training. Don't just, uh, don't just shut guns out because you don't know how to use one or, or you're not comfortable. Get comfortable. Find, find a friend that's got one. Um, you know, ask him, Hey, you know, would you mind showing me how to use this safely? Take Hunter's safety. Um, Hunter's education. That's, that's great. I mean, that teaches you a lot of things. And, um, so go to back to those people that aren't very comfortable with guns. A, a lot of times you see them and they actually are like, well, I've got this big knife and, or I've got this uh, ninja sword or this, you know, battle ax or something. And, you know, that's what I'll use to defend my family. Well, first off, let me tell you something. That's about as psycho as hell. If you've ever, you know, pulled a knife and, and seen what that will do, you know, I mean, you're gonna, you're afraid to shoot somebody, but you're gonna chop them up. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense. That's, that's way more gory, way more serial killer type, you know, I mean, that's just, it's not reality, but it's, it's kind of a reality in their head because it's like, you know, in the movies, the knife sinks in and comes out and then they just lay there and hold a little oozing thing. I mean, you're going to really use a knife, a sword, an axe, something like that to defend your family. I mean, it's it's going to be like a serial killer murder scene going on. And I don't think that if, if they have a problem shooting somebody with a gun, like that's too violent or too graphic. I mean, think again. So enough said. I mean... You know, and some of you out there are probably like, hey, you know what? I'm going to put the gun down and give me that ninja sword now, you know, but hey, that's each their own. But, you know, some people probably deserve a ninja sorting. They're breaking into your house, trying to hurt you or your family. But you also need to choose the right weapon. Um, you know, you can't just carry a shotgun around with you everywhere you go or an AR. A lot of times if you're going to be traveling or doing whatever, you know, a little uh, 380, 9 millimeter, or even like a 40 that's compact. There's quite a few really cool 45s that are compact now too. Uh, like the cars, they make a really good one. 
Um, seen several really cool models. They're like the 1911, but they're, you know, just kind of miniaturized down. They might hold, you know, five rounds. Actually, pretty cool little gun. They're pretty pricey, but, you know, the 1911 platform is very reliable. Um, and your calibers range from, I mean, anything you want to carry. You know, a 17 cal, which is usually like your pellet guns. Um, they do have an HMR 17, and uh, it's pretty cool. Really straight shooting. Um, but you can go all the way up to like in the 50s. You know, you've got some muzzle loaders that are like, you know, your 52, 54 calibers. Um, you know, pistols that are 50 cal, rifles that are 50 cal. Um, so, I mean, just anything that you really want to carry. I mean, I've seen some people own these big 357 Magnums, um, 454 Casuals. In my eyes, that's that's not the gun for me. I mean, they're obnoxious, they're heavy, they're huge. Um, you know, I mean, you, you can't hardly even shoot the thing unless you have earplugs. And that's another thing. I mean, choose a gun that you might be able to handle without ear protection. And I mean, because you never know when you're going to have to pull it out and use it. And uh, some guns are pretty loud. But, you know, with your... Uh, with whatever you're going to be doing. I mean, if you're a truck driver, yeah, you might be able to put that AR 12 gauge, whatever behind your seat or in your truck or uh, whatever you're doing. You know, maybe you're in a high risk uh, carjacking type area and, and uh, you might need something more like a pistol, something that you can grab quickly and use. that's not going to get tangled up trying to, you know, whip it out and, and get it ready to, to use. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they, they might just say, okay, well, my weapon of choice is this pistol. Well, you know, and a lot of people have an everyday carry, you know, EDC type of gun or a knife. And um, and a knife, a backup knife is not a bad idea. I mean, it you know, goes back to that whole serial killer thing. But, I mean, worst case scenario, you know, you have your knife on you. Um, you know, sometimes even just flicking out a knife would be a, a really good deterrent. You know, somebody tries to rob you with their finger in their pocket and, to each their own, you're going to have to just kind of judge each situation as they go. But for home defense, um, and again, we, you know, we'll be talking mostly about the offense, or I'm sorry, the defense. The offense, I mean, that's pretty much your, your rifles and, uh, you know, I mean, that's the only thing that I would really consider my offensive weapon. If I'm going to go and attack, I'm going to be knowing where I'm going to be attacking from and... You know, hopefully you put that distance between you and, and the person you're attacking. But, um, so anyway, with your home defense, and, I, and I've heard quite a few people say this. Um, they've said, you know, well, I've got this new AR, and this is my home defense weapon. That is the absolute stupidest home defense weapon you could ever have. Um, if you're defending your home from people standing out in your yard throwing crap at your house then yeah an ar would be great you could pick them off from up in an upstairs room whatever but if somebody breaks into your home and you start pumping you know a 556 223 round you start shooting that which is a pretty high velocity round it will go right through your wall your kids wall your other kids wall and into your garage i mean if you're shooting into a house you're you're shooting into sheetrock you know, and insulation between. There's there's really not a lot of stuff inside your house. And so you don't want to be start, you know, shooting off your uh, your AR with people in your house or even neighbors. I've seen a lot of these homes that are connected to other homes. 
know, you'd be shooting your neighbors. And uh, I mean, you'd probably do that with a pistol as well, but it's definitely gonna slow it down a lot more than a rifle round. So I would recommend for home defense, probably like a hollow point type round for like a nine mil 45, okay? Um, not a big fan of the 40, but that's just me. Again, preference. If you like the 40, hey, you know, I'm not trying to not trying to bag on it, it's just not for me. Um, the 45 is a really good round, it has a lot of knockdown. And especially if you have a hollow point round, upon impact it opens up. And so it's not it's gonna really slow down with all these little fan blades sticking out. So you're not gonna really be penetrating a whole lot of walls wall after wall, you know. And uh, also a shotgun is a killer home defense weapon. Um, you can get all kinds of buckshot. I mean, you can get uh, bird shot. You can get all kinds of little teeny BBs clear up to huge balls. You can even get beanbag rounds. It's a real versatile weapon because the sky's the limit on your rounds. I mean, anything you want to get, you can pretty much get in a shotgun. I've seen incendiary rounds that they explode on impact. Um, they used to have one called a dragon's breath that blows a jet of fire out of your barrel for a few seconds. Um, just anything you would want. I mean, you wouldn't want that for home defense, just saying that the, the rounds are very versatile like that. But um, yeah, 12 gauge, excellent home defense weapon. That would be my go-to. Um, everybody that's really into home defense, maybe you have a crappy neighborhood, you should have a 12 gauge with some type of round, you know, ready to go for uh, inside your home. Plus you're not gonna damage your house up near as bad, you know? I mean, you might blow the paint off or have to redo some sheetrock, but you know, a 12 gauge is probably not gonna go through the wall unless you're shooting slugs, but it's probably not gonna go through the wall and keep going. And so, um, you know, with that, that's my recommendation. Um, so, you know, I mean, whatever you feel comfortable with, if you hate your neighbors, you don't have any kids, hey, go ahead, use your AR, that's, that's fine. But just think about, what's on the other side of the wall and that wall and that wall, you know? And, um, so again, with like, you know, your, your weapons, a lot of people, you know, they, they get a nice, nice gun, you know, they'll go out and get you, you know, 600, $700,000 gun. And then it's funny because you'll see them skimp on the holster. And I'm guilty whenever I first got a few pistols, uh, when I was younger, you know, you go down and you go, oh man, look at that holster, it's 70 bucks, 80 bucks, $100. And you're going, man, that's just a lot of money for a holster. And so you end up going down and you get the cheap $24 piece of crap. Um, you get the, the cheap whatever, maybe you're at a gun show and you find one for $10. Okay, big mistake. Um, you know, I've had some really crappy holsters and I've had some that it's like, man, I just spent $24 on this thing and it's gonna go right in the garbage or in a, a box and I'll never use it. It's not comfortable, it doesn't retain good, it doesn't even fit your weapon good. And uh, so don't skimp. I mean, there's like Alien Gear, the Santis, they make some really good holsters. Um, you know, there's quite a few out there, you know. Um, Blade Tech makes a few good things. Um, I'm just trying to think of a few more that I've, that I've seen lately that are pretty neat. Um, but you know, get get one that fits your weapon good, and I'm sure that a lot of the gun stores they may let you bring your weapon in if you clear it with them, show them it's unloaded. They may let you do some test fit, maybe ask ahead of time, you know, because um, that's something that's really important. And if you have to spend that hundred, hundred and fifty dollars on a holster, do it. I totally recommend it. Um, so 
Anyway, with that, you also need to go out and practice with your weapon. Because there are a lot of people that have, like, the Serpa. That's one by Blackhawk, and I really love that one. And, um, it's got really good retention. You see a lot of police officers and, um, you know, military-type people end up having a, um, a Serpa holster. And you have to depress a little button. It's kind of like a little toggle thing, but you, you push it in as you pull the weapon out. And, uh... You know, there's a lot of people out there that you hear of them pulling their pistol out and shooting themselves in the knee, shooting themselves in the leg. I'm sure if you look on YouTube and type in Serpa holster accident or fail, I'm pretty sure that you're going to see somebody that does that. But let's use common sense for a minute here. Then let's think, how does your weapon shoot? Have you ever had a weapon shoot when you're pulling it out of a holster? You know, it, it won't fire unless you depress that trigger. And so... You know, well, and, and I can't say always because there are failures in anything mechanical and a pistol, rifle are all mechanical. They will fail eventually. Um, but for the most part, if you're drawing a pistol out of a holster, it's not going to shoot until you pull that trigger. And so these guys that are pulling their pistols out of these Serpa holsters, um, they're shooting themselves right in the foot, right in the leg because they're pulling it out and they're squeezing the trigger off. And, um, well, it's not really the holster's fault. It goes to practicing and training with your weapon. And, um, you know, one thing that I really did, uh, you know, that really kind of clicked in my head, my little brother told me this saying, and, and it, you know, I mean, I always kind of knew it in my head too, but, you know, it just made sense hearing it out. And uh, he was saying, you know, I would rather have a good quality battle-tested weapon that you know is reliable and it's ready for action and only 100 rounds of ammo than a never shot, untested piece of crap weapon that you don't know the history or anything on it, and 10,000 rounds, you know? And I mean, that is perfect advice because, uh, okay, one, I've taken um, a brand new AR-15 made by Bushmaster, and Bushmaster, I am not a fan of you guys. You guys suck. In fact, your quality has gone clear to hell. Um, I bought a um, AR from you guys when I was about 18 years old, and so, you know, I took it home, cleaned it up because they, you know, they put some, uh, you know, packing oil, cosmoline type stuff in the barrels. So whenever you buy a weapon, you definitely want to clean it first. Um, so anyway, I took this weapon, cleaned it, had it all, you know, ready to go. I was all excited. Had a nice mag. Went out and started shooting it, and I was having problems with that thing from day one. Wasn't cycling just you know jamming up just constantly having to hit the forward assist to push the round in it was just a piece of crap and uh you know we messed with it took it apart you know okay well maybe it just needs some wear in you know let's you know sand polish up some parts you mess with it and uh, maybe clean it a little bit better and kind of look at it what's going on what's going on is there a blockage somewhere it's just a piece of crap and uh i contacted them several times and uh, their tech support is crap. They're trying to tell me that my mag release button, and I'm like, no, this thing is jamming up. It's not cycling. And after a while, it got worse. I had to continue to, to you know, rack at each round. I mean, this is a semi-automatic AR-15. These things are one of the most popular weapons out there. I mean, you think that you'd be able to pull that out, brand new, no problems, right? Wrong. And so, with that, if you were to grab yourself a rifle, um, a pistol, whatever, 
and you say, hey, this is my doomsday whatever gun. I'm going to bury this thing. I'm never even going to touch it. I'm going to leave all that factory packing oil grease, whatever on it. And maybe I'll add some more. And I'm going to throw it in this box and bury it. Okay, that is the dumbest thing you could ever do. One, you've never tested it. Um, right out of the box, I've had that AR be a total piece of crap. And uh, my brother also bought a Bushmaster uh, probably a year or two later. I don't remember, but it was pretty pretty close. And uh, they didn't machine his magazine port right. And so he was having a real hard time getting mags to even stay in or fit. And uh, he ended up mailing it back to him, and they remachined it, and then they sent it back out to him. So, I mean, what are the odds that two people from the same household buy the same brand of weapon and have major problems with it? Um, so mine, I finally did figure it out. And if you take the bolt carrier out, the whole bolt carrier assembly, there's a little, uh, little snorkel piece on top. And that's where your gas tube meets up. And uh, I unscrewed that, and they never had... Uh, completely made the hole there there's a hole that goes through on top and uh you know without having any video here it's kind of hard to explain it unless you you know the ar but i ended up uh cleaning that out really good and you could see where they'd like done the casting of the bolt carrier and they never did clean the hole out all the way it was like half clogged up from the factory so right there that's just quality that's quality control you know they should see that kind of stuff and uh and here they're telling me it's your mag release button you know, what a bunch of idiots. And so, um, you know, I went, I just dug deeper. I mean, I went through that entire weapon. I pulled the gas tube out and cleaned it, blew, you know, blew air through it. Everything was fine. There was no blockages, put it back on, made sure that it was against my gas block. Everything in that thing was gone through. And finally I disassembled that bolt and just went through step by step and troubleshot. What could it be? And it was just a manufacturer's defect. And so, you know, I went ahead and reamed that hole out, cleaned it up, and now it shoots fine. But what's not to say that, uh, you you know, you buy that gun, you never go out and test fire it, you bury the thing, and, you know, shit hits the fan, you pull it out, you need to defend yourself, and you get two shots off and it jams up. And, uh, you know, and I won't really say any names on some of my friends and stuff that have had problems with guns, but um, I had a good buddy that, that uh, just barely built an AR and went out and was shooting and the other problem that he had with it was, um, you know, he fired off a few rounds pretty quick and one jammed up in it. And he calls me up and he's like, hey, uh, my AR jammed up, man. What do I do? And I said, well, bring it on down. Uh, you were shooting steel rounds, weren't you? And he says, yeah, I was shooting steel rounds. And that is another thing. Don't skimp on your ammo. I know that you can get that wolf ammo and, uh, you know, it's dirt cheap. But you get what you pay for. Stuff's absolute junk. And um, what it is, is that what they do is it's a steel casing. And they end up uh, coating it with some kind of a weird lacquer or a uh, just a clear coat sealant so it doesn't rust and corrode. And uh, whenever you start firing rapidly, and uh, this is just a troubleshoot thing that I'm kind of thinking is happening here, but your barrel and your chamber are getting hot. And whenever you finally stop, that last round that sits in there in a nice hot chamber is, uh, you know, kind of, warming that lacquer up and gluing it in and so you know that's i've had that happen um he's had it happen i've had several people have that same problem with steel rounds and uh in fact whenever i was doing my concealed weapons class um the highway patrol officer that did the class 
he was telling us about a, you know, a situation he had with steel rounds, and it did that in his pistol. And so, you know, that that's just kind of my conclusion as well. Steel rounds, just stay away from them. They're just cheap junk. They're cheap for a reason, and uh, you're better than that. So, anyway, I get off on tangents a little bit too much sometimes, guys, so I don't have anybody here to keep me on track. But um, you also need to keep your weapons clean. And if you take care of that weapon, then that weapon's going to take care of you. And if you know if you go out and shoot it a whole bunch and you say, ah, you know what, I'll clean this thing later, you throw it into your uh, gun cabinet, your whatever, your box, and you just forget about it. Well, gunpowder is very corrosive for one. And, you know, it, it's going to sit in there and just work its way into parts that are corrosive. You know, not, not every gun is all stainless steel. A lot of them are just a, um, you know, like a high carbon steel. And it's going to just sit there and start pitting, you know, rusting, cause corrosion problems. That's where you're going to have springs start to corrode and break. So clean that weapon. I mean, take care of that. In the military, before you turn that weapon into the armory, they go over that thing with Q-tips. And if your Q-tip comes back black, I mean, you're cleaning the whole thing again. So just do it right. You know, use good solvents. Don't skimp there either. And that's also another thing, you know, gather up some solvents. Just about every time I hit Walmart or a gun store, I'll see some of that uh, Hops Number 9 um, cleaning solvent. Grab a bottle. You're looking at $2.95, um, You know, that bottle will last you years. And so stockpile up a little bit, you know. That's a lot of times people don't think about stuff like that. And, you know, if crap went down and nobody really could go and buy solvent anymore, where are you going to get gun cleaning solvent? So, you know, a bottle, you could probably barter that off or uh, sell it to somebody trade. Or, if, you know, if you like the person in your group, give it to them. So, and also to go along with weapons and the whole training and safety thing, Please keep them away from where your kids can grab them. Uh, you know, there's just too many accidents you, you hear about where a little kid grabbed one. Because they don't know. They, they see cartoons. They see TV shows. People pulling a gun out and shooting. You know, TV's just cool to them. And, uh, you know, even a little, little kid, they pick one up. It goes off. I mean, bad deal. Bad deal all around. You never know what's going to happen. Just please keep your, your guns out of reach. Um... And so whenever you do some training as well, whenever you go out to the range and you're saying, all right, I'm going to get proficient with this gun, go half speed. I mean, I know everybody wants to whip that gun out like Instructor Zero off of YouTube videos and uh, and whip it out and do five shots in two seconds, you know, all head shots, all in a little two-inch circle. Hey, that stuff's cool, but they didn't start there, okay? He didn't just grab that gun and do that. You know, he, he worked his way up. You know, one, learn your holster. If you have a Serpo holster, it's a good way to shoot yourself in the leg, trying to be fast and too fast. So, you know, sometimes slow as steady is uh, is better to do it. But another thing that uh, my brother and I have done in the past, and a few of my friends, we've done it since, uh, since my brother showed me some of these cool little uh, drills, is uh, get yourself some snap caps. And a snap cap round, um, and that's a brand, by the way, Snapcap. Uh, they're cool. They're uh, they're for dry fire. They're for uh, trigger control. 
And a lot of times whenever people are shooting, you know, they, they pull that trigger, they'll squeeze it way hard. And if you're right-handed and you squeeze, you're going to be shooting high into the right. And if you're left-handed, high into the left. And if you're scared of that gun and you don't want that recoil and you're kind of, you know, flinching and stuff and you pull it, you know, you might shoot low because you're kind of anticipating a jerk. Best thing you can do is just take it one round at a time. If you're new, if you're learning and you want to get faster, take it one round at a time and slow and steady squeeze that trigger. Okay. And best way you can do that is clear your weapon. Always clear your weapon before you do any cleaning, before you do any type of training. Um, I have a laser round that you know you can stick inside your, your weapon. And every time you pull the trigger, it, it fires off a laser dot. They make targets um, you know, that will show where you hit. They'll beep if you hit them. I've seen some of them that look like a bottle or a can. They'll tip over if you hit them. Uh, really cool. There's a lot of training stuff out there, guys. We, we have a really good uh, day and age to live in to, to do pistol training. You, you could sit there, you know, you got a little kid, two, three-year-old kid, and you're saying, God, I just can't go out to the range. It's winter time. It's cold, muddy, it's raining, whatever. If you don't have, uh, you know, time to train all the time, get yourself a $100 laser cartridge. Um, you can pick some of them up on Amazon for like 25, 30 bucks and get yourself a little laser cartridge and get yourself a laser target and uh, the one I got was a laser light brand and it's a really decent little target it's tiny it takes AAA batteries you can set it clear across the room and shoot at it and uh, so that's really good to practice your trigger squeeze because that's I'd say a high percent of everybody's problem when they go to the range they're squeezing that trigger too hard or they're rolling with their hand and their wrist. I mean, there's a ton of problems you can you can get. And um, so it's it's best to learn just trigger squeeze, trigger control. And if you get the you know the squeeze of that trigger that's needed, hey, you'll be shooting way better in no time. Just practicing in your home. But one of the training things that my brother showed me it was really cool was we uh, we would take some of these snap cap rounds and. We would put them in the mag randomly. And so you might put in like two live rounds, a snap cap, a live round, a snap cap. And then if you take a, a casing off the ground that was uh, once fired, has no lead in it, no anything, put that in your gun. That's a guaranteed stovepipe. And a stovepipe is when your weapon cycles and it comes back and smashes the round and it's sticking straight up in the air out of your, out of your chamber there and or out of your action so you know that that's like one of the worst case scenarios if you're out shooting and if shit hits the fan and you're shooting at people or being shot at and you're returning fire i'm going to promise you that something wrong is going to happen with your weapon i mean something is going to happen you're going to have something break it's going to jam your mag is going to fall out you call it man it's anything's you know anything that's going to happen is going to happen so it's best to train for that. You know, everybody wants to go to the shooting range and shoot like instructor zero, you know, five rounds per second, all headshots. That's great. But whenever I go training, I like to have my weapon screw up. I like to have something happen. Um, just the other day, I went to the shooting range with my cousin and my uncle and we were out there shooting and my Glock 19, I had just purchased a uh, three pound ghost trigger setup and I changed out all the trigger springs. Okay, 
I had the little connector bar, changed out everything. It's pretty simple. I did it on my uh, 17, had no problem. So I took this 19 out and uh, was firing and pretty soon you have to rack it each round. And I'm going, well, what the heck's going on here? Okay, I love it. I love whenever something happens at the range because that right there is making you fix a problem, making you realize how to fix a problem. You know, and I'm one of those guys that I will dig into that weapon and I don't care if I have to replace $100 in springs that I keep breaking or screwing up or whatever. I want to figure out how to fix my own gun. And uh, so anyway, we were racking it each time and it would fire. Trigger would not reset. And uh, so I was like, all right, good. I'm glad something went wrong. Gives me something to figure out, problem solved. So I put that gun to the side. And uh, so we kept shooting. We shot his 1911. He's got a Kimber Raptor. Awesome gun. So we went out and shot that. And the reset on that is just awesome. Every time you shoot, you're right back on target. Huge fan of the 45. Love it. Um, okay. And so with the 40, why I don't love it, I'll just kind of tell you because a lot of people probably go, you know, what is it? Too manly of a caliber? No, I love the 45. It's just a hair bigger than the 40. The thing I don't like about the 40 is, uh, well, several things. One, my dad bought one. And I won't mention, you know, because the company made it right with us. But we went out shooting and he started having problems. And it would shoot a live round out every time he shot off one. And we were like, what the heck? So I pulled out my phone and I was going to film the problem so we could let him know. Because this, again, this is a brand new pistol right out of the box. And uh, he's shooting and, and it's like, I told him, hey, do a couple rapid fire ones. Just see if it if it's just cycling weird, you know, maybe a new mag. So anyway, so he, he pulls the trigger kind of quick, gets off two rounds. The gun explodes in his hand. Okay. The slide flew off. It almost hit me because I was standing behind him and to the left. Slide flew off the gun. It blew his magazine apart. Okay. There was rounds all over the ground in the range. The spring in his magazines everywhere. And I'm like, holy crap. Did that just happen? So we walk over there and he's holding the lower of his pistol and one of the brass casings had exploded and was sticking out the side. I mean, it barely missed his finger. It looked like a, like a knife sticking out of the side of his gun and I, I couldn't believe it. So anyway, we took a bunch of pictures with the pit or with the camera and uh, ended up contacting the company. They were really cool about it. And most of your gun companies are cool about it. If anything goes wrong. Um, so anyway, we contact them. And they said, oh man, sorry, sorry about this. Let's make it right. So we mailed the gun back to him. They told him, you pick any gun in our line, it's yours. And uh, so he went back to a nine millimeter. And if you actually watch YouTube videos on 40 calibers, that's a, that's a pretty common fail. And the reason it fails is because a lot of uh, gun companies, they've took a nine millimeter lower or a 45 lower, and they've just made it where the mag will fit and hold a 40 cal round or they've made it where you know the barrel and everything on the upper will match up close enough well whenever you go to buy a 40 if you do um, hopefully you don't after hearing this but if you do purchase a 40 caliber snap cap okay and take that round with you to any of the gun dealers you're going to and have them seat that round in the gun because if it doesn't seat all the way in clear up to the rim then you're going to have a chance that it can blow up in your hand. What happens whenever a, a bullet is struck, you know, by your firing pin, 
it's a it's a little bomb it's a tiny explosive device and that casing will explode and ignite and send the uh, the weak point which is your bullet out the barrel so what happens is uh, that casing is pretty weak it's brass you know or aluminum whatever you're shooting and um, if it's not seated all the way in the barrel goes all the way around the round and that's what actually keeps the round tight so if your if your round is not chambering completely in then the bottom part of your uh, casing will expand out and if you're lucky that's all it does is expand and uh, but if you're unlucky like my dad it'll blow up in your hand L we got way lucky nobody got hurt nobody got shrapnel in them I mean everything worked out pretty good for you know what a crappy scenario that was but go on YouTube and look up 40 caliber fails and so far the only fail that I can think of with that caliber is that now if the if the manufacturer they actually made the gun chamber for that round hey by all means you know buy it but if you reload be really careful because I pick up brass all the time at round at ranges and almost every 40 cal that I've picked up you hold it up and look at it and the bottom is bulged out okay and that tells you that there's a lot of people out there that have a crappy 40 and it's just a ticking time bomb waiting to go off in their hand so watch for that that's a very in fact if you look in a reloading book a new one because 40 caliber is not that new or not that old of a caliber it's fairly new so if you look that up in any of your reloading data books that that's a note right up there in the top of the 40 it'll say make sure the chamber of your gun fits tight and all the way to the rim and if not you're gonna have problems because even if your gun shoots great and you pick up these reload real uh i'm sorry these uh rounds that you find at the range and you reload that bottom doesn't get resized and so you know the first time you rack one in it might get stuck in your barrel because it's been expanded at the bottom so i don't know until they perfect it and they get everybody on board i'm not touching one so and if you want to go ahead take the risk um so with that um 45 very very awesome battle proven uh, 1911 was given to officers for years. Nine millimeter, it's a it's a natal round. And so, again, while we're on kind of the subject of natal rounds, which is what the military uses, that's that's rounds that have been approved for war. Um, most law enforcement and police and and uh, FBI, whoever you know, anybody that's in that that category with military too, they will shoot a NATO type round, and nine millimeter is very common and so um you know if you go to choose a weapon you know i choose something that's a very common caliber you know there's some people out there that buy these lapuas and these you know crazy hunting rifles that that are phenomenal i mean they are some awesome shooting guns but if you go to you know price around on that you're, you're gonna pay like two dollars a round and chances are nobody has ammo for it and hardly anybody has reloading equipment for it. So, you know, I mean, if, if you're choosing, you know, a crazy Lapua round or something, which is becoming more common now, but for a long time, it, it was pretty rare. I mean, if you had one, it was like, wow, how does that shoot? You know, never even seen one. But, you know, if you end up getting something crazy like that, plan on paying through the nose for your rounds and also uh, stock up whenever you can, you know, keep them on hand because, hey, if crap goes down, 
you, you may not be able to find rounds for that. And uh, same thing goes, I mean, don't make that type of weapon your primary. You know, these, these new 300 blackouts are coming out. And uh, I, I think that here in the near future, we're going to see that become a NATO round as well because a lot of these uh, Navy SEALs and uh, Special Force type units, they're, they're really liking it. They're digging it. I mean, it's, it reaches out and hits things at 300, 500 yards, no problem. Uh, pretty straight shooting caliber. And so I think we're going to probably see this 300 blackout um, start becoming pretty common. I've been finding brass at the shooting range all over the place with it. So um, I haven't shot one. I don't own one. But from what I've heard, people that own one, it's pretty good to go. So also it takes your um, AR mags, which is another plus because if you have AR mags already, you can just put your 300 blackout rounds in that and use them. So that's pretty cool. Anything that's interchangeable, that's, I love it. In fact, I, uh, I just purchased a, and it's, I'm on the waiting list. I, I put half down on it, I should say, is a uh, Keltec sub 2000. And I got it in the Glock 19 configuration. Um, and again, that goes with keeping all your stuff the same. I mean, I've got a Glock 17, a Glock 19, and now this uh, Keltec will be coming and all three weapons will take all three rounds or all three mags and the same round. Um, you know, I'm just a pretty big fan of nine millimeter because my Glock 17, it holds 17 rounds. Um, my Glock 19, it holds 15 stock. It can take the 17 round mags and it can take a 33 round mag. And uh, so that's pretty cool. You know, I mean, capacity is key to me. You know, these guys that have a six round revolver, hey, you know, that six rounds is just not enough for me. And I'll tell you why. Um, a lot of people might think, well, if you suck at shooting, then you might need these 33 round mags or you might need this 17 rounds. Well, I'll tell you what, if you get into a combat situation where people start shooting at you and you have to lay down cover fire, you know, you're going to be firing off rounds that you know damn well are not going to be hitting somebody but they're just a distracting shot and if you have six rounds you're not going to be laying down any cover fire you know by the time you laid down some cover fire now you're out and you're useless and you can't do a mag change um, i've seen some people that practice with revolvers and they're phenomenally fast uh you know but i'm not and i'm not going to carry six rounds and have that be it because a lot of people if they have a, a revolver with six rounds they don't usually keep a speed loader on them or they don't keep even extra rounds in like a revolver type holster or have a spare cylinder. You know, they, uh, they have the six rounds and that's it. And to me, that's, that's just crazy. I, I wouldn't want to be limited by six rounds. I'd like to have a mag change and, you know, a lot of your little concealed carry 380s now, you know, your Keltec, your Ruger LCP. Um, I like the Bodyguard by Smith & Wesson, really good. Uh, I know Para Ordnance has quite a few little minis now, and um, the car, they got a few, but, and even Glock, Glock started coming out with quite a few, you know, pretty decent little, little models, but, you know, all those, they'll hold right around six plus one, so six round mags, but you can have three or four mags, I mean, you can, might, you know, you can put one in your pocket, in your coat pocket, you can carry two. And then one in the gun. So, I mean, you're, you're like 18 plus rounds. So that's pretty cool. Revolvers, just not my cup of tea, man. So 
you know, to each their own. This is my advice. Um, you know, if it makes sense to you, then, you know, hey, go with it. If you, you can do those quick mag chains and you carry out all these, uh, you know, deals for your revolver and have at it. But, um, you know, same thing with, um, you know, your rounds and stuff, you know, make sure that you have decent rounds. Um, if you're going to be carrying it for like, let's say, you know, concealed carry defense, if you're in a crowded area, you know, a round nosed, you know, 115 grain, nine millimeter round, it'll probably go through somebody and maybe into somebody behind them. And so, you know, that's another thing you got to kind of consider is, hey, am I going to carry some really nice hollow point, you know, high impact stopping rounds on my concealed carry? And, you know, and that's that's what I carry. I, I will carry a, a really nice hollow point and, you know, that'll probably do really good on a uh, concealed carry. That way you're not going to risk other people around you. And uh, so, I mean, that's just one of the other advices that I have on that. So, all right, let's go over and kind of recap. Pick a weapon that fits your hand, fits your style, fits your needs, okay? Two, get a holster or some way to conceal or hold that thing that's going to be quality. It's not going to break on you. That's going to retain your pistol good and be comfortable for you to use. Three, we're going to practice with this thing, okay? Going to get you some snap caps and uh, laser round, whatever you want to get. And you're going to practice up with it because I would not want to see anybody go out and buy a pistol and never go practice with it. Um, and then after that, you're going to select the rounds that you want, you know, for the type of carry you're going to be doing. You know, I'm not going to go and blow off these dollar around hollow points at the shooting range. You know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to do a few just so you know how that round, you know, kicks, reacts, accuracy of it. But, you know, for the most part, I'm going to be shooting, you know, some fairly cheap, just practice type ammo at the range. And, um, you know, save the higher end stuff for uh, carry and or, you know, or whatever situation you're in. And uh, so, you know, don't don't just fall in love with one gun, because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you would have gave me a Glock like two years ago, even a year and a half ago, I would have told you you know, to go to hell, take that gun and get the hell away from me because I did not like the feel of the Glock. You know, I had a roommate that, that actually had the, the Gen 1 Glock and, you know, and I, and I thought, wow, cool Glock. It's on TV. It's a, it's a common name. You know, I'd never seen one and I shot his and I, I did not like it, man. I mean, it, it didn't fit my hand good. It didn't feel comfortable. Um, it felt plasticky and cheap. And I thought, God, oh, man, you paid a lot of money for this thing. What a piece of crap. So I ended up going out and buying me a 1911 uh, Kimber Pro Eclipse 2. Killer gun. I love it. It's got night sights, everything. Fit my hand good, comfortable, and I fell in love. And so anyway, I bought that. You know, he had great big hands and that Glock was comfortable for him because he had so much room to, to move around, I guess. I don't know. It just didn't fit my hand good. And so because of that, whenever the Gen 2 came out, I thought, ah, let me feel one of these. And I felt it. And it still felt like crap. It felt like you were holding a, a pack of cigarettes in your hand or something boxy, you know, a pack of playing cards. It just didn't feel comfortable. The ergonomics just weren't there. Well, whenever the Gen 3 came out, I, I didn't even waste my time looking at it. I should have. Because the Gen 3 and the Gen 4 Glocks, um, they actually have a lot more ergonomics. They're, they're uh, curved 
they've got finger slots, um, just a more comfortable gun. You know, my Gen 4, it came with uh, back straps where you could change out the grip. And just phenomenal. I, I love the way it grips and holds and, uh, you know, and I ended up buying one, a Gen 4. And, you know, I would buy a Gen 3 if I could find one. But Gen 1 and 2, if you brought one of those to me, I would tell you to get the hell away from me. You know, I wouldn't even want it if it was free. Well, okay, maybe I would, but, you know, it wouldn't be my preferred gun. And so that's another thing. You know, take your time, and just because it's a certain name out there, you know, oh, it's a SIG, oh, it's a car, you know, oh, it's an H&K. If it doesn't fit your hand, don't just buy it because it's an XDM, you know. You know, I, I mean, same thing with the XD. I mean, I really, I thought that was cool. I read a lot of reviews on it. And um, it's a striker fire, just like your Glocks, and uh, pretty simple to, you know, to get stuff for, and it holds quite a few mags, or, you know, different rounds in the mags, and comes with some good mags. I think it even comes with a holster, and I thought, wow, that's pretty neat, you know, this is a decent gun. And I held several of them, and I did not and still do not like them. They just don't fit my hand good. So make sure that you get a gun that fits your hand good, even if it's, uh, you know, not the one that you were, you know, looking for, had your heart set on. Get one that's going to that's gonna fit good. And, you know, you could give a $5,000 pistol to a guy, and he could be shooting all over the place, not hitting anything. And you could give a, a professional shooter a cheap high-point piece of crap that you picked up for $100 at a pawn shop, you know, and this professional shooter will be able to hit really good. He'll he'll outshoot the $5,000 gun because he knows the fundamentals of shooting. He's got his trigger pull down. He's got his his uh, sights down. He knows how to aim, you know, and he's he's got them down. So any weapon that he picks up, he's going to already be better because he's practiced and he knows what he's doing. So keep that in mind. I mean, you can, I mean, I've got some pistols that range from a couple hundred dollars and I've got some that are, you know, up to $1,300 for a pistol. And, you know, I mean, I'm not rich and that's, that's a pretty high end pistol for me, you know, and, you know, and, and if I go out and shoot them, I, I shoot around the same with all of them. I'll be honest with you. If I'm shooting a 380, a nine mil or my 45, I'm going to shoot the way I shoot. You know, that gun, just because it was more expensive, you're not going to shoot that much better. You know, it's not going to turn you into an awesome shooter and, and overlook your mistakes. Because, you know, you have to do that. You have to put in the time, put in the training and the practice. And I hope you do, because, I mean, that's life or death right there. And that's the whole reason that we're prepping, right? I mean, you're getting ready for something and, uh, you know, don't go cheap on it. You know, you, you can skimp on some stuff, you know, but don't skimp on socks, don't skimp on ammo, and don't skimp on your gun or your holster, and everything will work out just fine for you. So, well, I'd like to thank you guys for all the support I've got on the show so far, friends, family, um, even just listeners. You guys have all been great, and uh, you know, thanks a lot, Gurkha Surgeon. Uh, that was a really good idea. You know, have a have a reading list, and I'll. Hopefully I'll get a Facebook set up now. I really hate Facebook. It's just total drama. But you know what? If I'm using it for a tool like a business or uh, something like this to maybe connect people, you know, so, you know, just maybe keep looking out there or, um, you know, surviving the modern world in Facebook, maybe do a search. Once I do it, I'll, I'll definitely let you guys know. 
if I end up doing a website, you know, that kind of stuff costs money. And I'm so far, I'm just doing everything really cheap. Just trying to do this stuff free and cheap. You know, that's why you're not hearing all this fancy music. I haven't bought the rights to anything. And uh, my editing, hey, there really isn't a whole lot of editing going on here. And that's why it kind of sucks. But, you know, you get what you pay for. So quit your bitching. But thanks again for all your feedback and uh, your ideas. And if you guys want to have, you know, anything on the show, you know, you come up with uh, questions. In fact, I, I've got some really cool guests. I've been kind of, you know, scoping around trying to find some people that wouldn't mind being on the show. And, um, you know, I've got quite a few guests that are lined up for the future, at least four of them that I know of. And I've got some, like I said, I've got a fan, a friend that's their whole family are farmers. And, uh, you know, I'm going to come up with some questions that, you know, maybe, you know, that, that people might commonly have for farmers. And, uh, if you guys have any questions, you know, email them to me and then, you know, that way I can ask them. Um, you know, my dad, he's actually a firefighter and he's gone through a lot of hazmat training. And they actually had one part that really stuck out to me. It's cool. And I'm going to have him on the show to talk about it here soon. And that's about radiation. Let's say a nuke went off. And um, he knows all the stuff about radiation. And it was really cool. And the classes he took are, you know, really up to date. You know, so it's it's new, new data. It's like not, you know, tuck underneath the desk and you'll be all right. None of that crap, you know. And uh, so, you know, I've got I've got a few guests that are lined up for that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, hopefully that kind of comes into the near future and becomes more interesting. And, you know, if you guys have any ideas for a show, throw them my way because, you know, chances are I know somebody in that field and I can probably bring them on the show and we can get some expertise out of it. So, all right, guys. Well, I really appreciate all your support and, uh, until next time, Semper Fi.